I'm Howard Brown. I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, it's good to be back in Charlotte. Good back, good to be back with you guys. And um, had an opportunity to to be one of the preachers at our. Um, we had a pre-general assembly. General assembly is the coming together of all churches and and organizations in our denomination to take care of denominational business. Let's just say that. And they had a pre-general assembly convocation of African American pastors in the denomination. There are 25 of us in this denomination. And um, it was just a good time. We just had revival. We just had church for a couple of days. I had an opportunity to preach. And I, let me say this. I really missed you guys. Um, I, I don't like preaching on the road. Um, it, it feels good to be back. And um, we're going to start today our series in the book of Revelation. And um, today's sermon will prove, will, 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 um, will serve as somewhat of an introduction to our study in Revelation. I was telling Giorgio, I don't like introductions. Um, I like to get right in the meat of things. But I think it's important that we have um, this book introduced to us. And um, we're going to allow the book itself to introduce our study. Um, let us hear from the Word of God found in Revelation, uh, first chapter. We're just going to go through verses 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take, take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before the throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look. He is, coming with, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. This is the word of God and as we open our series in the book of Revelation. Now, let's be honest here. More than word of mouth, the reason most of us take, make time and, and take our hard-earned money to see a movie is because of the trailer. You know, the thing that flashes up. You go to the movies early just to see what movies are coming out. And ironically, as most of us have unfortunately learned, sometimes the move, the trailer is better than the movie is. We may see one of our favorite actors or, or directors revealed or mentioned. We get flashes of this potential plot and ending. We're tantalized to believe that it is important in our entertainment part of the brain that we see this movie after a good trailer you're sitting in the movie and you can hear from a dozen seats Ooh, i gotta see that 
We're kind of drawn in by an intro that promises to, to feed your urge to experience, to, to feel, or maybe to cry, or, or to know, or to be excited, or scared, or to be moved, or, or to be informed. In this opening chapter of Revelation, um, it, it, it's, it's, we get a trailer of which we will only see a part of today. It's, it's, it's the first of many trailers. And so it doesn't show us much in this part of the chapter, chapter, but it's enough to draw some of you into potentially being exposed to the whole of this book, to invest in your minds and hearts into this book, Revelation. I believe it's important that many of us are reintroduced to this book. Why? Because we've put connotations and, and certain feelings and presuppositions on this book. More than any other book in the Bible, we are afraid to explore it. Or, or worse, worse yet, we, we get in our mind that we need to see this as some sort of puzzle or, or documentary when in fact, Revelation is simply a non-fiction history presented only as God could fantasy. Kind of like a la Lucas Spielberg token style. It's, it's Lord of the Rings, but it's true. But to make it more interesting, let's not call it more confusing. Let's call it more interesting. Jesus kind of takes a page out of Quentin Tarantino's book. Well, if he's Jesus, then Quentin Tarantino took a page out of his book. But, but he is, but you get the point. It's like Tarantino, you get, you kind of already know what the ending is going to be. Which in this case is this. Jesus is coming back as Lord and will get rid of evil and establish an eternal and good kingdom for all eternity. Where he is the king and his people and, and his people are its citizens. But, but like Tarantino, like, like a Reservoir Dogs or, or something like that, he, or, or, or Kill Bill or something, he, he, he leads up to that one ending with seven different stories. Like in some movies you get seven different character lines leading up to the end. Seven different Lord of the Rings. Seven different slash Terminator, Return of the Jedi, slash maybe I smoke something illegal and I'm listening to Yellow Submarine. Sort of presented accounts that lead up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Get it? We will explore those seven stories with one ending over the next months. But first, of course, the trailer. Why? Why should we allow our minds and hearts to become attentive and mush all at the same time? Because according to the first half of this trailer, Jesus, King of Kings, very God of very God, he is talking to us. Secondly, Jesus, God, is doing something incredible among us and to us and for us. And finally, Jesus is actually calling us to something incredible. Now, just from the title of the book, Revelation, and these opening words in the first two verses, we can gather that Jesus is talking to us through this book. Why? Because he really wants us to know. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. 
It says here, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. This book is dictated to John by an angel who's going to show him some things and tells him to write it down. And that angel is sent to John by Jesus to write what he says and sees so that what we may know what will take place. So that we will know more about Jesus and more about ourselves and how things are unfolding in our history. Now, this point may seem pretty simple, but simple is not usually what we get when we bring up the book of Revelation. We get confused and we actually feel like God is trying to hide things from us. That Jesus is the Riddler and we have to kind of figure it out. That Look for the message behind the images and to some degree it's there. But this book with Jesus as the source and its substance, it actually desires that it be a revelation of what must and will take place in finishing his work on earth and not something that is hidden from us. As a matter of fact, the very book Revelation, the the title tells us that he wants us, me and you in this world, to no longer live and be in the dark. I'll just give you some background here. The church is, is being persecuted. Rome is failing or falling. And, and, and they are seeking to interpret their lives in this very confusing and dark world. Now, when we're in the dark, without clarity, you know what happens. People begin to write books and and prognosticate for themselves and and we get kind of crazy and we got Nostradamus over here and we got the lady at the you know little booth with the cards and then reading palms and crystals and 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 we, we 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 just we're driven to know when we're in the dark had an opportunity to hang out with Carl Ellis this um this weekend and he wrote one of the books that you have on the book table free at last and Carl is uh how can I describe it? Um, he's brilliant. Um, and, and so when you sit down, you got to really listen because he is like the, the crazy, brilliant professor all in one. And so he, he's done some work on um, uh, Islam. And so we asked him a question. I've, I've been reading, like I read some stuff from, from Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And one thing that was there is he believed he went up on a spaceship and talked to Elijah Muhammad. And he also believes that there are like a million microscopic spaceships guarding him so that at any time anyone wants to do anything, they'll shoot them and he'll be taken up into the spaceship. Okay. Now, just to let you know, Nation of Islam by Farrakhan is a religion that has really taken a a strong hold on the black community, in particular African-American men. And I said to Carl... Man, black people don't believe in the spaceship stuff. This just don't make no sense. You know that group in California all died waiting for the spaceship? I don't think I saw any brothers in that group. You know, we, you know, it was good. And, and close encounters, wasn't a brother making, you know, the, the mountain out of his uh, shaving cream. Why? Because we wouldn't believe it. Brothers know better than that, you know. Here's something about some spaceships, you know. 
must have been white. No, no you, you just you, you just don't think like that. And 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 and, and so. It, it, and that's not a dog on white people. Please understand. But, but but listen to my point here. I'm like, how in the world have these African-American people, in particular men, believe this man who says that he went up on a spaceship and he has a million spaceships protecting him? Carl, how in the world can that be? And Carl says, don't you know that trailers cause tornadoes? I'm like, what? He says, don't you know trailers cause tornadoes? I'm like... And palm trees cause hurricanes. I'm like, what are you talking about, Carl? And Carl says, if someone doesn't tell you the truth, if you're in the dark and catastrophe hits, like if a tornado hits, the one thing people always see on TV is what? Trailers. So you can surmise in the dark. Now forget all your little education you got, you know, and just think, wow. Trailers must cause tornadoes. All right, thank you. We'll follow you. You have explained our dilemma. Whatever you say makes sense. That if you were in the dark and no one exposed to you, what, where, and you couldn't see that little map with a, with a tornado, where a hurricane comes across and you kind of see the Doppler radar thing they have, you may believe if someone was ever so bold to stand up and say, Look around. It's the palm trees that cause hurricanes because every time we see hurricanes, what do you see? Palm trees. In darkness and not knowing the truth, we want hope for answers to life's dilemmas. Answers for life and death and pain. And what Revelation has said, I don't want you to believe that the, the, the tornadoes are caused by trailers or, or, or that the, the hurricanes are caused by palm trees or the way history is unfolding is because of whatever you can come up with or, or whatever the lady at the booth can tell you or whatever Nostradamus said in his book. Now, that's some crazy stuff now. But, but you know, you just I, I don't want you to go to a movie, Return of the Jedi, and say, hey, this is how it's going to happen. He says, I don't want you to be confused about how things are unfolding. I want to reveal them to you. The fact of Jesus' authorship gives us hope that John didn't make something up that will simply cloud our thinking again. That's why in part he says in verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Blessed is the one who reads this. The one who is the truth is speaking to us in this book so that we can have light and truth and warning and hope. So why the confusion of this book that seems to be so clearly a revelation of what must happen? Because in the knowledge, in the revelation, Jesus actually has an agenda. See, it is a revelation that is less about you and me knowing for the sake of knowing. And like the rest of the Bible, it is knowing that he may be known as the Lord and Savior of the world to me and you. It is the, as verse 2 says, it is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is also then called revelation because it seeks to reveal 
who and how Jesus is by the Holy Spirit through the word. And that's where you get this this phrase in, in, in verse um, four when it says, grace and peace you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits. Now, the better interpretation is the sevenfold spirit or or the perfect spirit or the Holy Spirit, the second person in the Trinity. So what he's saying is it is a blessing when we internalize these truths as we believe what it reveals, which is the same as believing in the one who reveals it, believing in Jesus. That the blessings this book promises is in in an ultimate sense You only get them as you receive and recognize Jesus as Lord. And this book is Jesus's agenda for you to believe and trust and run and hope in him as Lord. Look again with me at verse four. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The language behind the language says this. More than anything, you better recognize the one who is the source of this letter not just recognize the words of the letter but through it come to know him and then he puts a capstone on this section of chapter one by saying his intentions as the author look at verse seven with me look he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What is he saying? I want you and those who read it to see me for who I really am, to know me. To recognize me, to call me the Alpha and the Omega. Now, the confusion comes in Scripture or the means of God's grace in general and in this book specifically when we try to make it work and fit our own purposes. You know, to kind of take this book and, and try to figure out the future and, 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 and draw this big chart and go in the street and tell everybody to get some water and some canned goods, you know, just to kind of take control of our lives in light of the truths. I'm here to tell you, Christianity, the definition and idea of Christianity has never been about you learning enough, getting enough knowledge and truths so that you can take control of your life. You won't find that in this scripture. It's never been about that. And so we approach the book of Revelation. We're like, all right, let me figure out how it's going to all come to pass and all together. And then what? What's the first thing human beings say? So I can take control of my life and, and figure out what the destiny of, destiny of my life is going to be. What if we did know exactly how it's all going to connect 
What day Jesus was going to come back? What if this was designed in such a way where if you're a good mathematician or a good engineer or a good enough anthropologist or a good enough linguist that you can look at the Greek and look at what's going on historically and piece it together and you can say on June whatever, 19, or wait, we already passed it, 2000 and something, Jesus is coming back. If you could do that, man, you would be the craziest, most manipulative person the world would ever know and people would know more about you and your theory than they did about Jesus I don't know I might put out some books you know some good Christian books for you to go buy and give me good money to be on the bestseller list I mean I can figure this out I mean I can make this thing so exciting y'all woo woo put some names with it get the video out you know um put the bible out on it I mean just I can do enough to make you feel good I mean come on man we we put this as a PG-13 movie man we'd kill return of the jedi God is saying if you know it so you can chart it out, so you can take control, you would be the Lord. <laughs> and why, why do we believe that if we can chart out the second coming of Jesus, that if this is the point of his book, that somehow, like I said, we're going to be good. <laughs> if you knew again, you would be evil. Okay, maybe you're better than me. But if I knew he wouldn't come back to July, great. I have me a good June. <laughs> if you just come back July 30th, July 29th, I'll be partying up to midnight. Then at 11:30, oh Lord, forgive me. All right, he's coming back. And I was watching. Um, this is something else interesting that comes out of this. I was watching um, uh, the movie Electra. Um, I, I like some action movies, and okay, um, and I, I was really tempted, you know. Not by Jennifer Garner. You know, I know what y'all thinking. Um, just because she was wearing the red stuff, and no, that wasn't that wasn't the temptation. Um, but just this spiritual awareness, dark side kind of control. Like I know it sounds crazy, but I'm kind of watching this movie, and she's like meditating, and she can see the future, and and she has all this kind of other world meaning power and just for a minute i was like boy that'd be kind of nice the kind of no we have to be careful with the word no don't you realize that's what led adam and eve into sin they wanted to know they wanted knowledge like God's knowledge so they could control their destinies. And man, they messed it up. Look at us. To know. This book has an agenda that is more worthy than just pumping your brain full of info. It leads you to know enough and yet not too much that you would ever dare become the Lord in time Lord of time and space and knowledge for yourself. It is actually designed to reveal to you enough that you will know that behind all the fantastic images and the questions created by them, that you need him to be the Lord. Whether you know what the six trumpets all about completely or the sixth bowl of wrath or the, the fifth or the dragon and the 
hurt horn, the one thing the image does is it makes you think, oh no, oh yes, I need the one who is the Lord of lords and king of kings. To know and to believe and trust in the Alpha and Omega and reading and hearing this book, join John in saying and living to him. Be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That's what this book is calling you to do. But not only is Jesus speaking to us, we are encouraged to read and hear this book because Jesus is doing something to us. That's to our world. How? I mean, his very actions decide and define human history. Read with me verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. We see that this is about the future in some way. Now, I want you to understand that the future began then. When they heard, the churches in Asia heard this almost 2,000 years ago, the future began the day after they heard these letters. So thus the phrase at the end of verse 3 that the time is near. But join with this idea that Jesus is going to share with us as he does with the seven churches in Asia. The course of future and occurring events is that he is central and in charge of those events. Look with me at verse 5. It says here, grace and peace. Uh, no, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and what? The ruler of the king's of the earth he is declared the ruler of the kings of the earth this is in complete defiance to what we've come to learn i'm not trying to say that the public school system or whatever school system is wrong they they got history books right i mean that's the way you have to learn it but this verse defies how we typically write and read history in our history books at school it is not driven and moved along ultimately by political decisions of our rulers and kings he is the ruler of all things that happen, that, that fall under that, that all grassroot movements, all social movements, he is the ultimate ruler of them all. His actions, his person, his plans decide human and world history. So just as important as looking and, and waiting for Greenspan, he's not no longer the guy, I guess. No, looking for Greenspan to come with the new interest rates, or to look at the presidential election results, or anything CNN can report, this book and scripture calls us to someone and something with ultimate importance and relevance. That focusing on what Jesus is doing, what is he saying, what is he promising, and what is he planning to do? But not only does he decide human history, we see in this trailer to Revelation that his actions define human history in other words he's the key to understanding how and why you and i are here he decides the meaning of life how we approach the knowledge of him is the fulcrum of our meaning it is a lever we push it's the button that defines our place in human history again in verse 7 it says look he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him and john says so shall it be amen 
Now, this is speaking of one event that the seven stories of Revelation lead up to, the second coming, the second physical appearing of Jesus on earth, which will mark the end. And the text says this, every eye will see him. I want you to get this. He is coming in such a way that the whole world will have to respond to him. That the unfolding of his purposes in time and space leading up to the end is causing people to have a life that has to be accountable to how they handled his lordship. Now, the stereotypical fire and brimstone line would go something like this. You will have to make account for how you have lived this life in the light of him. But not just you individually, but in saying the peoples of the earth. He is also speaking to the historical accounting of nations and systems in response to Jesus' revelation. So that as verse 7 says, even those who pierced him and the peoples of earth will mourn because of him. They will have to respond and make account before Jesus as Lord according to their relationship and response to how he's revealed in this scripture. Jesus' revelation says to you and me, the world and history, how we live, how we have lived, how we have built our lives on what or because of what, whether we're building our lives because of our politics or our society or whatever values you have, all of that matters. And especially at his final appearing in this book, in his scripture in general, as we encounter the, the re- revealed Lord in these pages, we will begin, hopefully, to assess our lives in the light of the nearness and surety and the now and the future manifestations of Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. This book concerns you and your world. This is about you. Not just the seven churches in Asia. This is about the history of your life and what it will mean. In what seat do you sit presently before God? Not who and how you are according to every other theory or person or drive you may have in this world. But how is your life sitting and setting up before this revealed truth? That Jesus claims to be the Alpha and the Omega. That the time is near. That the one who is the Lord of time, who is, who was and is to come. That he is Lord and that he is coming back again he calls us to search our hearts and lives to search the very history and meanings of our lives in the light of him and ask what does it say who am i what do i and what do i mean that jesus is the lord of history but here's the good news because according to this passage we all will mourn Because we all have in some way opposed and been his enemy. But Revelations is not only about his speaking and his moving of history, but his calling us. That that Jesus is calling us to be changed. Look with me at verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you. From him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before the throne. 
and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. This passage starts off with grace and peace to you. Now, this is a normal greeting for church letters, but think about it. Because regardless of the weight or apocalyptic manner of this letter, if Jesus is its source and or his people are the recipients, this is good news. This is good news because it confirms his call and calls us back to the fact that he changes and has changed us in the failure to respond to him rightly. It calls him faithful. It calls him the firstborn among the dead, that his mission is that those of us reckoned for death spiritually or physically because of our sins and the weight of his lordship as judge of the world, we have and can be saved from a life defined as empty and lifeless, as fleeting, as dead. And then further in verse 5, it says to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Jesus is saying, part of the revelation in the last days, integral to the unfolding of redemptive history, is that Jesus is on a mission to draw people who have been unloved. That Jesus is on a historical mission to to free people who are in bondage, to to bring light to those who are in darkness, uh, under the weight of the oppression of simply living in this world, to become his people, to become his children, that among the fantastic and sometimes horrific images is the loving hand of the Lord of Lord and King of Kings saying, come to me, come to me for help, come to me for comfort, come to me to be changed. And so revelation becomes more than information. It's more than a story. It becomes a plea of the Lord of Lords to come to him. That more than a revelation of how the bad will pay, it is a display of how and that the Lord will pay for the sins of the world. It's a revelation of how he has and will pay that people can have a relationship with him. That Revelation's message of the coming Lord does not preempt or cancel what Jesus said in the Gospels. I have come to seek and save the lost. Revelation is sometimes a description of history as a whirlwind. Why? So that you can see the steady and constant message of God's love for sinners. Revelation is sometimes dark. Why? So that you can see Jesus as the only light in the muddied waters of your personal and human history. It is weighty. So the gravity of his second coming will not necessarily pull you in the vortex of God's judgmental grinder, but be that you would be taken over and stirred and settled within. By this message in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty.
So that now Revelation, the trailer we have explored today, lets us know that this book and history itself is about Jesus speaking into and moving it and moving the history as we see him. We know he sees us so that as we get him, it is revealed that he will get us. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we ask that your message of salvation and hope would be revealed to us. That even as we look at the circumstances and history and issues of the world around us and in us, that we would be able to see you like we will see you coming in the clouds, that we would behold you and see that you died for for the sins of those who trust you. Father, we pray that you would move us today to look at the history of our lives to look at our philosophies, to look at the way we live, to to look at what we believe. And Lord, help us to see that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the very author and finisher of history. Help us to see that and know that and also help our hearts to see that along with being the, the author and finisher of history, you are the Redeemer and Savior of this lost world. Draw us to you in that. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.